Well, I'm just going to go ahead and pray, ask the Holy Ghost to begin to just speak to people's hearts because we're going to talk about faith tonight. In Jesus' name, I'll read you a Bible verse. Lord, I thank you that tonight I truly, I don't rely on my own ability, my own efforts to entertain these people in any way. But, Lord, I rely completely on the Holy Ghost and on the power to speak to these people's hearts. And I declare your word that anybody that is hungry shall be filled in Jesus' name. Anybody who is hungry, listen to me. When the student's ready, the teacher arises. When the student is ready, the teacher arises. I remember hearing this story of Billy Graham. Anybody ever heard of Billy Graham before? He said, he said when he was a kid, before he was saved, he used to hate going to church. And he used to tell his mom and dad after church, he would say, that preacher is the most boring person I've ever met in my entire life. He said, I just, man, he's so boring. It's so hard for me to be interested. Well, when B Billy Graham got born again, that Sunday after he received Jesus Christ and he received the Spirit of God, he went to his parents after that Sunday service, and he said, that was the most interesting message I ever heard in my entire life. Man, I was just so intrigued. I was so invested. Everything that he said was just so interesting and interesting to me. Let me ask you, did the teacher change? Absolutely not, but Billy Graham got hungry. Hallelujah. And when the student was ready, the teacher arose. Praise God. So I say, if you're hungry in this place, I'm telling you right now, if you're not, you better get hungry because it's not okay to not be hungry. Amen. If you're hungry in this pray, place, you're going to receive from the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I want to read to you 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Lord has me preaching on faith. And I started last night. And to some of you, you say, I, may, I, might have, I might have known some of that already. But I'm going to go over some fundamental reasons and facts of why what I'm teaching to you is so important. But first, 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this. Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Jesus Christ. One who is nourished, look at this, say nourished, by the message of faith. One who is nourished by the message of faith in the good teaching you have followed. Praise the Lord. Say nourished. So where do you receive nourishment from? The message of faith, say faith, nourishes Faith supplies. What is your nourishment? It's what feeds you. It's what supplies you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many people are malnourished. Well, why are they malnourished? Because you must, be, you must receive preaching and teaching about faith, and you must receive good teaching and good teaching about faith specifically in order to be nourished. Praise God. Isn't that what he said here? He said, one who is nourished by what? The message of faith. And good teaching that you have followed. So the message of faith, the word of faith, is actually nourishment to the body of Christ. So when Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, what did he mean? 
Give them the word of faith, the message of faith, and good teaching. Praise God. So guess what you're going to get tonight? You're going to get nourishment. You're going to grow. You're going to grow from milk to more mature things. You're going to go from a baby to a, to a little adolescent and then a teenager and a full-grown adult by the teaching of the word of God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. That's what I have my faith set for that tonight that you would literally just receive nourishment from the word of God. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you in Hebrews 6.1. This is what the Bible says. It says, let us stop going over the basic teachings. Say basic teachings. Another translation says elementary principles about Christ again and again. Let us instead become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance, say fundamental, fundamental, of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. So that scripture continues in Hebrews 6 verse 2. He goes on to talk about resurrection and, and laying on of hands and baptism. But those two things I want you to see. Repenting from evil deeds, say repentance. Did you know repentance is a fundamental doctrine? Yes. Fundamental means this. Elementary, it means A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. It's just how you go through elementary school. You learn the elementary principles, the fundamental things that you need in order to advance to the greater things. You learn how to count. You learn your colors, your shapes. You learn how to multiply. So what? You can go into greater things. Then you can learn division and multiplication and geometry and algebra and advanced English and learn how to read and learn how to write and learn how to annotate, learn greater skills. Look at this. Repenting, repentance, and this is what I'm preaching about, but you need to understand this, is a fundamental of Christianity. But it's really funny because most churches now, there's actually doctrine that teach people that you don't even have to repent. Did you know that placing your faith in God is not all that is required of salvation? You must also repent. Say repent. The word repent literally means to turn direction. Hallelujah. So whenever I come to Jesus, I don't just have faith. I must repent. So Let's think of it like this. If I'm a drug addict, the way that I'm truly saved is not just by saying a prayer and saying, okay, now I believe in the Lord Jesus. No. They said in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached to 3,000 people, and they say, what must we do? What did he say? Repent and be baptized. Then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, baptism was the outward expression of repentance, so you can lump those two things together. Number one, repent. So if I'm a drug addict and I receive Jesus Christ, it's not just some prayer that I pray. You know what it actually means to receive Jesus? It means that I stop doing drugs. Hallelujah. Well, I used to shoot up. I used to smoke weed. I used to drink alcohol. I used to do tobacco. I used to do those things. But I've repented. That doesn't just mean I place my faith in God. That's only one part of a two-sided coin. I repent. I change directions, and I no longer do those things that I used to do. Paul taught about this. He said, you, you, you used to do. You used to follow after the deeds of the flesh. You used to be an adulterer. You used to do those things. He talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You know, I want you to think about this. 
And you hear it a lot, and there's no condemnation at all, but we've knocked on doors, and we've had people that we're sharing the gospel with, and they say, well, I don't go to church anymore because they told me, you know, like a woman, I'm married to another woman, and they told me that I can't be married to another woman. And so what are they doing? They're basically going around looking for a church that will tell them, no, you can be a Christian and still stay married to that woman. I want to tell you, in fact, you cannot do that. You can't. There's no condemnation. I want to say this. Every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's no sin that's greater than another sin. Just because maybe you struggled in homosexuality does not make you any worse of a sinner than a person that watched pornography or was a drunkard or was an idolater. But here's the point that all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all men need to repent. Repent means changing direction. I used to be this way, but this person is dead and in the grave. And when Christ was raised, I'm raised, and now it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. You know, to answer those questions, well, can I still drink? Can I still do drugs? Can I still watch porn? Can I still be homosexual uh, and be a Christian? Well, let me ask you, is Jesus a homosexual? Does Jesus drink and do drugs? Does Jesus watch pornography? No, he doesn't. And if it's no longer you who lives but Christ that lives in you, then how could you do those things? You're dead to the power of sin and alive in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, believers aren't supposed to sin. Did you know that? You know, that may be a, a, that's a very controversial message that many people hate. Well, we're all sinners. No, you're not. You were a sinner. And when you got saved and born again, you received power. And now by the power of the Holy Ghost, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. I'm not a sinner anymore. I don't make a practice of sinning every day. And you shouldn't either. In fact, if you do, you need to be, you need to really question your salvation. Or let me just say this. Maybe you truly love the Lord and you, were, you truly meant what you said, but you need to receive sound doctrine yeah. to put to death the deeds of the flesh and by the power of the Holy Ghost, you live in dominion over your flesh. Let me ask you this today. Do you live in dominion over sin or does sin live in dominion over you? Because if sin lives in dominion over you and you call yourself a Christian, there's no condemnation to you coming from this pulpit. But the fact of the matter is there's an issue. There's a problem because that's not what the Bible teaches. Hallelujah. Am I boring anybody tonight? So that's a fun, that's a fundamental. This was something that's been understood for almost the last 2,000 years until the recent times where now we teach people you don't need to repent. It's not true. It's not true. So there's two things. Number one, repenting from evil deeds. And number two, faith. Say faith. So it says faith is a fundamental, an ABC, one, two, three. What that means is that if you don't understand the doctrine of faith, you can't understand anything else in the entire Bible. If you don't learn faith, and you know, there's many parts to faith. What is faith? How do I get faith? How do I use faith? What does faith do? What does the lack of faith cause in my life? These are the fundamental things you must understand. Hallelujah. I'll give you, you know, think about this. This is how fundamental, how important the the faith, understanding faith is. Hebrews 11.6. It is impossible to please God without faith. So let me ask you this. 
I don't, I don't care if you're a Methodist, if you're a Baptist, if you're a Catholic, if you're a, a Pentecostal. We should all agree that the highest goal of Christianity, regardless of your denomination, is to please God. Correct? All of us should say, well, it's pretty important now that I'm a Christian that I please God. Well, it's impossible. Say impossible. That means you cannot please God without faith. So if you can't please God without faith, it's very important that you understand what faith is. And not what you think faith is, what the Bible teaches faith is. Hallelujah. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Man, that's been the most greatest revelation, one of them, of my entire Christian walk is understanding that, that principle. God rewards those that diligently seek after him. Man, it, it, it takes all the religion out of it. I don't read my Bible religiously. Man, I read it with a smile on my face, and no one has to tell me to do it. Why? Because I believe that God rewards those that diligently seek after him. I mean, I just believe it with everything that's in me. And I know that we've already made those confessions, but I, I read my Bible every day. And no one's over my shoulder making sure, did you check off the box? Did you read your word? No, because I really believe it sets me apart that when I finish my race, my life will be heads and shoulders above the rest of my peers that didn't do those things. God rewards those that diligently seek after him. You know, Paul also told Timothy to train in godliness. He said, which promises benefit in this life and in life to come. Did you know righteous living produces blessings in this life? Well, I don't like that religion, you know. People try to, you know, you go to Dallas, the Bible Belt, most small groups, they'll go to church together and then get together afterwards and go sit at the bar and have a round of drinks. And then, oh, we're not religious. You know, we're, we don't get it. It's not about religion. There's a blessing for living a holy life. There is a blessing for diligently seeking after God. There's a blessing for tithing. <laughs> There's a blessing for taking a tenth of what I have and giving it to the Lord. I'm not going to be like everybody else. Guess what? My finances won't look like everybody else. My life won't look like everybody else. My ministry won't look like everybody else. The opportunities that I receive won't look like the opportunities that everybody else receives because God's not a communist and he's not a socialist. He believes, he, he operates and rewards those that diligently seek after him. So faith, you can't please God without faith. Hebrews 11.33, it says, by faith. The people of the Bible, these people, overthrew kingdoms. How? By faith. How, how did they take the city of Jericho? By faith. How did they take the promised land? How did Joshua conquer the promised land? By faith. They overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. How did, how did King David rule as an honorable king, a man after God's own heart? By faith. They ruled with justice, and they received what God had promised them. Hallelujah. How did Abraham receive what God promised him? By faith. How did Isaac receive it? By faith. How did Jacob receive the blessing of the Lord? By faith. Hallelujah. 
How did David slay the giant? He did it by faith. How did his kingdom overthrow Saul's kingdom? By faith. Everything that was ever done in the Bible was done by faith. So here's the point. Why is faith so important? Because if you don't understand faith, you'll never possess one thing that God promised you. It's by faith you possess all that God has promised you. And people don't understand that. People have questions like, well, if the Bible teaches healing, then how come my granny died? How come I know many Christians that have died in sickness and disease when the, if you claim that it's God's will for everyone to be healed? Well, God can make all the promises in the world till he's black and blue in the, faith, in the face, but if you don't possess faith and by faith possess them, you'll never have a single one of them. Amen. So this is why it's so fundamental. So last night we began this message, what is faith? Just give you a couple of points here. According to Romans chapter 4, faith, I'll break it down, just a very solid biblical definition is this. Faith is the absolute certainty, say certainty, that God will do and has done what he has said in his word. I am certain and confident that what God promises in his word, he will do. And I use the word will do very lightly because there's only a few things that I'm believing God will do. Everything else he already has done. I believe that God will raise up my body out of the ground when the trumpet's blown and and I'll meet Jesus Christ in the air. Or if I'm still present, which I believe we will be, unless you die an extremely quick, premature death, I believe everybody in this room will be a witness to the to the to Jesus Christ appearing in the air and the catching away of the saints. That's something that I believe he will do. I believe Jesus will come back in the second coming. I believe uh, that he will overthrow death in the grave. I believe all of those things will happen. Those are the things that I hope for. But everything else, the Bible says all of the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and amen. So everything else, it's not I believe God will do. His word actually says he already did it. Praise God. And so I believe in certainty. I'm certain that God has done everything that he said in his word. Faith is you believe it without seeing it or experiencing it. We walk by faith and not by sight. So if God said it, I believe it. God said it, that settles it. That right there will literally guide you the rest of your life. If you'll grab a hold of that phrase, God said it, that settles it. You know how many Christian disputes could be settled if both Christians would take that approach? God said, you know what? Why don't we just forget about what you think and forget about what I think and we'll go to the word of God and whatever he says, we'll both agree. Okay, God said it, that settles it, that's what it is. Amen. I'm so sick and tired of hearing believers. Day after day, we encounter religious devils. Oh, I don't believe in that speaking in tongues. And no, I don't. God said it in his word. That settles it. Praise God. If we would just take that healthy approach, it would settle so much. So many wasted years could be redeemed if you would just get to that point. God said it. That's it. I believe it. 
These signs shall follow those that believe. Well, am I a believer? Well, that means me. I should speak in other languages. Well, if I don't speak in other languages, am I a believer? I don't know, because you have no signs that prove that you're a believer. <laughs> Jesus said these things prove. They follow. They prove the, the elect. They'll follow them that believe. You should cast out devils. Well, I don't do that. You should speak in new languages. Pray in tongues, which comes from being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't do that. You could drink anything poisonous. It won't harm you. Well, that definitely ain't true. I'm sick all the time. Lay your hands on the sick. They shall recover. Well, I don't do that. Well, are you really a believer? Well, yeah, I say that I am, but Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. That if you're born again of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has come in you and produced spiritual life in you, and these signs will prove that you're a believer. Full of the Holy Ghost. Anything else, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't, I live under the deep conviction that the majority of people will not enter into heaven. Number one, the majority of people that are on the earth right now will not go to heaven. Number two, the majority of people that call themselves Christians, I believe biblically, will not go to heaven. According to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus actually said the pathway to life is narrow and found by few, but the highway to hell is broad and traveled by many. So many will go to hell and few will find the path to life. So when someone claims to be a Christian, I automatically begin to look. Are they in religion or are they really full of the, full of the Holy Ghost, born again, where there's spiritual life produced on the inside of them? Hallelujah. So you believe the word of God without seeing it or experiencing it. Basically, I believe that it is because God said that it is. I told you last night, if you're a Christian, never let the confession come out of your mouth again. I'm sick. In fact, I like this. I heard a, a great man of faith once say that he refuses to say the phrase, I need. He said, I won't say it. If I, you know, if I'm looking for a pen and I said, Miss Kim, he said, I won't say, I, hey, I need a, can you give me a pen? I need a pen. You know why? The Bible doesn't say that you're in need. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Or the NLT, the Lord's my shepherd, I have all that I need. You know, I had a lady, a, a dear woman come to me and, and say, I feel led to give to the church. Does the church have any needs? Well, by faith, no, it doesn't. You know why? Because according to the word of God, we have all that we need. Well, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what if I look around. Oh, yeah, well, this, got, this has to be done and that has to be done. No, I believe what God says despite what I see or experience. So by faith, according to God, I have everything that I need. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. Praise God. Okay, so Hebrews 11.1. 1, put that up in the New King James. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to give you just a few points in the New King James, please. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So, now, I want you to write this down for point number one. I have these switched in the notes. I was just looking at this. But number one, say now. 
Now faith is. You see that? Now faith is. One of the most important things you need to learn about faith is the Bible teaches that there's a difference between faith and hope. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, these three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. Well, a lot of people never possess the promises of God because they're hoping. You don't possess them by hope. You possess them by faith. What's the difference between hope and faith? Very simply, now faith is. Tomorrow, hope is. Hallelujah. I hope for tomorrow. I have faith for today. So when you're believing for the promises of God, if you always say, well, it's going to be tomorrow, it's going to happen, I'm, I'm, you know, it's always future tense, you're in hope, you're not in faith, because now faith is, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Everything that we're believing God for needs to be in the present tense. If it's not the present tense, it's not faith. You know, that's even when it comes to healing. You need to understand with your healing. I hear people say this kind of stuff all the time. Well, I believe God's going to do it, and it's timing. I'm telling you right now, I love you. You're going to die thinking like that. You know why? Because that's hope. That's hope. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never healed anybody by hope, by faith. And what does the Bible say? Faith is now faith is. Hallelujah. Today faith is. Not tomorrow, not next week or next year. Right now, I believe, I receive it. Today, now. Now, number two, write this down. You must pass the test of faith in order to possess the things unseen. The Bible says, now faith is the substance. Say the substance. I talked to you about how the thing you're believing for is made of faith. Faith is the material of the thing you're believing for. You're believing for a car. Well, in the spirit, it's made of faith. If there's no faith, there's no material for, for that to, there's no way for that thing to materialize without faith. Hallelujah. You're believing for a house. Did you know your house is made of faith? Your house, your house, your house, your house, Mike Tyson up here, your house, Mike Tyson, if you're watching this. Let me pray for you. Those teeth, they'll just snap back together in Jesus' name. Who needs braces? I'm just kidding. Your, your house is not made of wood and brick and concrete. Your house is made of faith. Faith is the substance, the material of the things hoped for. Praise God. Now, faith is the substance. That means the material of things hoped for, the evidence. Well, when we looked at the Greek word evidence, that word meant test. It means to prove to test. So basically, we could say this. In order for you to receive the things that are unseen, you must pass the test of faith. As a modern way that you could say. We lose some of that in translation because our words, the Bible wasn't written in English. So if you understand, the evidence, it actually means the test. In order for you to receive the things unseen, you must pass the test of faith. What's the test of faith? I believe it before I ever see it. I'm convinced. I'm sold. I believe it. I'm confident. I'm convinced of it before I ever see anything in manifestation. I believe it because God said it. That's the test of faith. And if you can get to that point where you believe it because God said it, not because you see it, not because of your circumstance. In fact, you believe in spite of your circumstance. 
Most of the time, the devil will try to test you. What's the test? He tries to throw things in you to convince you of the exact opposite. Well, I'm believing for finances. Well, it seems like all of a sudden now you're in a storm. Now all of a sudden you're like, man, I really, this has to happen. And if it doesn't, there's going to be some problems. You're in this test. Well, you must believe that you have already received it, not because it's in your account or because it's in your hand, but because God's word says it and that settles it. Hallelujah. And if you'll pass that test, you will always receive the thing that you believe for. 100 out of 100 times. Hallelujah. Number three, write this down. You possess all the promises of God by faith and not hope. Real quick, I'm going to read Mark 5, 21 through 41. Just a passage here. Mark 5, 21 through 41. So this is entitled, Jesus Heals in Response. In my Bible, it's entitled, Jesus Heals in Response to Hope. No, it doesn't say that. (laughs) Jesus heals in response to what? Faith. Every example of faith that you'll see in the Gospels, you'll see now faith is. So Jesus got into the boat and went back to the other side of the lake where large crowds gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading uh, fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. I want to tell you right there, that's faith. But that's not, that's not the story. That was just a precursor because Jesus begins to go to this man's house. And while he does, he has this encounter on the way. Verse 24, Jesus went with him. And all the people followed crowding around him. A woman in the crowd was suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she hadn't gotten, she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Man, that sounds like a lot of people I know. They go to the doctor, they don't get better. They get worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, and I'll tell you, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the doctors don't make money by you getting better. I hope everybody understands that. If you, anything, you could see this false narrative being pushed dur- during COVID-19. They were receiving federal funding for having a certain amount of people in their ICUs. The more people that they had in their bed, in their hospitals, in the ICU that was quote-unquote diagnosed with, with COVID-19, They received more money, a certain amount of money for each person. So guess what? They profited off of people getting sick. They profited and they made things that weren't as though they were, and the love of money is is the root of all evil. But you see that a lot of times. The pharmaceutical companies don't profit off of you getting better. They they profit off of you having to go to the doctor and and that you take one pill and now because you took that one pill, you need six other pills because that pill went and it may have made your headache feel better, but it destroyed your liver. Now you need to take two things for your liver. Well, now all of a sudden my heart's messed up because the liver medication made my blood pressure rise. That's the never-ending cycle. She went to the doctor. She didn't get better. She got worse and worse. And I tell you, Jesus will always do what doctors could never do. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. 
Look at this. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will. Say, I will. Now faith is. She did not say, I might be healed. If I can touch his robe, maybe in a week or so. No, she said, if I touch his robe, I know, I know that I know that I will be healed. I know that the moment that my hand touches that man's robe, that whatever's going on in my body leaves immediately. Now faith is. That's the difference between faith and hope. I want to tell you, when you come up to receive prayer for healing, if you come up here thinking, well, we'll see what happens, you're in hope. Well, I hope this helps. That is not faith. What you need to decide in your heart, any time that you're going to receive ministry or the laying on of hands, when these hands touch my body, I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I fall out on the ground. I don't care if I start convulging and speaking in other tongues. It doesn't matter. My faith declares that when those hands touch me, I receive immediately the thing that I, have, that I believe for. Now faith is. This is how faith works. She heard about Jesus. She came up behind him. She said, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately. Say immediately. You're going to see this word, follow the ministry of Jesus, all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The word immediately. Well, how many of you know God heals in his timing? Really? Because in Jesus' timing, it was immediately. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if there was ever the working of miracles, people say, well, what about whenever he told them to go dip in the water or go show themselves to the priests, and as they did, they were healed. That was a prophetic word, and when they acted in faith, it didn't take 10 years or three weeks. It happened in a matter of moments. As they began to walk, they were healed as they were obedient and walked in faith according to what Jesus said. Don't use that to justify, well, maybe my healing process has to be over the span of months or weeks or years. No, it's not, in, well, in God's timing. Brother Tanner taught a wonderful message last Wednesday night where he showed through the scripture that Jesus is the image of the unseen God. That Jesus, if you want to know the will of God, you read, the, you read about the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus displayed the will of God. So if Jesus healed immediately, then it's God's will for us to heal and be healed immediately. Well, why don't people get healed immediate? Because immediately, because they're not in faith, they're in hope. Faith is now. Now faith is. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around into the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? So, I want you to skip on down to verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your what? Has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I love this. Jesus didn't even intentionally pray for this woman. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't shabadabadoo and pray in tongues. He had no idea that she was even around him. In fact, what's funny, think about this. What's funny is the Bible says that Many people were pressing in. He was walking through a crowd, and he said, who touched me? I skipped this portion. But his disciples in verse 31 said, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? So their point was this. There were hundreds of people touching Jesus. What was the difference between those hundred, hundreds of people rubbing elbows with Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood? Faith. 
She didn't just touch Jesus and hope. She didn't just touch Jesus like he was a celebrity shaking the, the hand of President, you know, uh, Donald Trump or whatever. She touched him with an expectation. I know that when I touch him, I receive the thing I'm believing for. And guess what? It says virtue went out from Jesus, and she was healed by the will of God. She was healed by the prayer of Jesus. Your faith, your faith, say your faith. Jesus didn't say my faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. You're healed not by God's will. You're healed by your faith. So if you have no faith, you'll never be healed. If you have no faith, you'll never be blessed. If you don't learn the fundamental ABC 123 doctrine of faith, you'll never possess one thing that God has promised you in this word. Praise God. So let's get into this tonight. Are y'all still enjoying this? I need you to understand, how do I get faith? How do I use faith? So tonight I'm going to cover how do you get faith? Some of what the Bible teaches about faith. These different concepts, you need to understand this, and this will be a, a, a kind of a base scripture that we'll return to several times over these next few points. Romans 10, 17. Who knows it by heart? Say it out loud. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I was studying this out because we can get kind of caught on the word sometimes. What does that mean I got to hear the word? Well, no, basically I was reading some different theologians' notes on, on this passage today when studying for this. And basically it boils down to this. A lot of the people, even in that time, they were illiterate. So it wasn't just about hearing. The whole point is not that necessarily just the hearing. It's the word of God. Because some people say, well, I can't build my faith by reading my Bible because it says it comes by hearing. And if I'm reading my Bible, I'm not always hearing. I'm actually just reading. No, that, uh, you're missing the point. Faith comes by the word of God. Hallelujah. The word of God is what produces faith. So faith comes through the word of God. Well, how does faith come? Because revelation comes through the word of God. Faith is, all faith is, I believe I wrote this down. Faith is your, is, is your absolute assurance in the revelation that you receive from the Word of God. What I mean by that is as you read the Word of God, you will have light bulb moments where you see things you've never seen before. Where all of a sudden you say, aha, I get it. I see it. Now what is faith? Is that faith? Not necessarily. Now faith is what you do with that Word. Faith is when you take that light bulb moment, that revelation that you receive from reading the Word of God, and you begin to act on it in total confidence. God showed me this. God said this. I saw this in the Word, and now I'm going to act on it. I'm going to talk on it. I'm going to walk on it. I'm going to believe on it. That's what faith is. Faith is your absolute assurance in the revelation that you receive from the Word of God. So the reason that a lot of people have no faith, why do they have no faith? Well, because they have no revelation. And the Bible says in the book of Hosea that it's for a lack of, uh, is it Hosea or Amos? The lack of knowledge people perish. Is it Hosea 4.6? Hosea 4.6. It's for a lack of knowledge people perish. You know, 
Ignorance kills a lot of people. Ignorance kills a lot of people. Religion kills a lot of people because you know what religion does? It keeps people ignorant of the word of God. It keeps people blinded to the promises of God. Ignorance kills people. A lack of knowledge. If you have, you can only have faith for the revelation that you've received. So if you have a little revelation from the word, you'll have a little faith. If you have a lot of revelation from the word, guess what? You'll have at least, you'll have opportunity for a lot of faith. But here's, because we're going to get to this point, there's a lot of people, I use the word opportunity, just, just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you have a lot of faith. You may have a lot of knowledge, but if you do nothing with that knowledge, it's what you do with that knowledge that actually produces faith in you. Hallelujah. So, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to go, I'm going to teach you some things about how to get faith. You need to understand this. Write this down for point number four tonight. There are different levels of faith according to the Bible. Matthew 8, 26, look at this verse. I'm going to read in verse 23, Jesus calms the storm. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake the waves, uh, with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Y'all, as we read through these, I want to challenge you. I want you to compare and contrast the different situations and responses of the people. And I want you to look at how the people responded and how Jesus said your faith is, basically how Jesus proved that their faith was gauged by how they responded in these situations. Your faith is not what you think it is. Your faith is proved by how, what, your faith is gauged by what you do when it's tested. Okay, so see this. There was a fierce storm. Say it was fierce. It struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Why was Jesus asleep? What caused Jesus to sleep when there was a fierce storm? Faith caused Jesus to sleep. You know, one gauge that you really have faith, do you sleep? <laughs> do you sleep when the devil's raging? Do you sleep when the circumstance doesn't seem favorable? If you don't, if you worry, you're not in faith. You may think you're in faith, but you're not in faith because your faith is gauged by what you do. Not why what you simply think that you believe or say you believe. Your faith is gauged by what you do. What you do proves your faith. Jesus slept. Hallelujah. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Say little faith. Another King James says, ye of little faith. So apparently you can have little faith. Paquito faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. So you can have little faith. Look at Mark 440. 
Mark 4, 40 says this. This is also another instance where Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with the head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind. And he said, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Say no faith. So it's possible to have little faith. It's possible to have no faith. Do you see that? Now look at Matthew 8, 5 through 11. So when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I want to give you a point tonight. This is an extra point. Jesus heals in response to your faith. Amen. Listen to this. Jesus said, I'll come. But the Roman officer said, wait, hold on a second. You don't even need to come. Just say the word. Did Jesus go ahead and carry out his own agenda, or did he respond according to what the man decreed? Hallelujah. He responded according to the man's faith. You see that? Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's different types. I want to tell you this as well. Did you know as a believer, you can walk in divine health with no one ever laying hands on you? But it'll be determined by your faith. What does your faith say? If your faith says every time that you get a sniffle, I need to run to the church and have Pastor John lay his hands on me, and I believe that when his hands touch me, I'll be healed, well, praise the Lord. Guess what? According to your faith, God will operate, as long as you're in faith and not hope. But what if you actually rose to a different level and said, you know what? I actually don't need anybody to pray for me because I'm going to claim my healing and confess it out of my mouth and speak it and walk in it that I am healed in Jesus' name. Well, guess what? You won't need anybody to lay hands on you because according to your faith, God will move accordingly. Or you shall not really move because it's not a matter of God moving. You shall receive accordingly. Praise God. So... Does that make sense to everybody? He said, just say the word from where you are. My servant will say will. He will be healed because now faith is. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they'll go or come and they'll come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east to west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go home, because you believed it has happened. Hallelujah. Not only because you believe, but how you believed is how you've received. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So he was amazed by his faith. Say great faith. faith. 
Matthew 15, 28, give you one more example of this. This is going to be important for you to understand the next thing that I'm going to tell you. Matthew 15, 28. This was a Samaritan woman. You have to understand. I'm going to give you some context here. Jesus said, I'm only sent to the, the lost sheep of Israel. I'm only sent to the people of Israel. I'm not sent to the Egyptians. I'm not sent to the Gentiles. So this Samaritan woman was considered a Gentile. And she came to Jesus needing a healing for her child. Jesus said, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Verse 28, dear woman, Jesus said, your faith is great and your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly, say instantly, healed. Think of this woman's faith. She didn't, oh, I, well, we'll see if you're able to help me, Lord. If it's possible, maybe you can help do a little something. No, she had such faith that God could do it that she declared, even the scrap of your t uh, that would fall off of your table carries enough power to heal my daughter. Jesus said, that's great faith. You understand who I am and what I'm capable of doing, and you have absolute certainty and confidence that all I need to do is release the word, and now faith is, and your daughter will be healed. That's how faith works. Say great faith. So I want you to compare and contrast those situations and ask yourself this question. How do you respond in situations? How do you respond if you go through financial tests? How do you respond when a circumstance is not favorable in that moment? Are you the one that's freaking out, that's crying, that's walking around with a distressed look on your face, that's secretly in your closet saying, oh, Jesus, please help me. Don't you see how bad it is? Don't you see the wind and the waves and the fierce storm? When Jesus, how did he respond? Why do you have such little faith? Say, that's little faith. Now, this is point number five. Write this down. So, look, there's different levels of faith. There was no faith. There was little faith. There was great faith. Point number five, what you get will be determined by the level of your faith and how or if you use your faith. What you get in life will be determined by the level of your faith. There's different levels. There was no faith. So if you have no faith, guess what you're going to get? Nothing. If you have a little faith, guess what you're going to get? A little bit. If you have great faith, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a lot. What you get will be determined by the level of your faith and how or if you use it. So not only what you get, but how you get it. You know, that's really important because if you believe, maybe you're believing God for prosperity. And you say, Lord, I would like in 15 years to be able to sow a $100,000 check. Well, guess what? You can use your faith, and in 15 years, you'll sow a $100,000 check. But if you use your faith and say, what about not, what, forget 15 years. What if, what if I said in five years? What if I said in three years? Lord, what if I said in two years, I'll sow a $100,000 seed into the kingdom? Well, your faith doesn't only determine what you get, but your faith determines how you get it or when you get it as well. 
How I get it. Say how I get it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I have my faith right now for a $100,000 check coming into this ministry, and I was saying, Lord, I believe I'll receive it this year. And the Lord challenged me. He said, well, I want your faith to rise up to the next level. I want you to believe for the next six months. In the next six months, we're going to receive a $100,000 check. Hallelujah. So, look, again, there's different gauges. There's different levels of faith, and what you get will be determined by the level of your faith and how or if you use your faith. So what you get will not be determined by God's will. It will be determined if, depending on you, say your faith, my faith. It's by my faith I will receive. Your faith, woman, has made you whole. Mark 6, 5, I want you to see this. So underneath this point, I want to show you how Unbelief equals receiving nothing. Mark 6, 5. Are y'all receiving from anything tonight? Hallelujah. Mark 6, 5. Jesus said a prophet is honored. So he went to his own hometown. In my Bible, this is entitled over chapter 6, Jesus rejected at Nazareth. He was rejected in his own hometown. He went to his own hometown, and they didn't, they didn't have any faith. So he says this in verse 4. Jesus said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, say unbelief, he could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So unbelief, what did unbelief cause? Them to receive nothing when Jesus came to their city. You don't receive according to God's will. If you have unbelief, if you're unbelieving, you'll receive nothing. Do you see that? So what you get will be determined by your level of faith. Unbelief equals what? Nothing. Now look at Matthew 17, 14 through 20. Thank you, Jesus. We just have a few more points tonight. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. Jesus, so this is Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. And a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Well, think about this. If you read in Matthew 18, had Jesus already given his disciples to cast out devils? Yes, in fact, it uses the word all. When Jesus sent out his disciples, it says he gave them the ability to cast out all devil spirits and heal all diseases. Guess what all means? That means each and every one of them. That means that there was actually no devil that had more power, power than the authority that they carried. But yet they couldn't cast it out. Was it, was it because God hadn't given them the ability? No, he had given them the ability. They had already received authority from Jesus to cast out evil spirits. But they couldn't do it. So why could they not do it? It says this. He says, you faithless, say faithless. 
and corrupt people. How long must I be with you and how long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Why could they not operate in the authority that Jesus already gave them? They did not have faith. They were in unbelief. You know what I believe? I believe that demon-possessed boy probably looked pretty ugly. He probably came crawling backwards with his head spinning around and, you know, green slime like the exorcist. And they looked at that thing and they were like, nope. In Jesus' name, nothing's happening. Throwing rocks in. All right, we're going to shut it up. They pray over the rocks and they're throwing rocks at the kid. I'm going to believe when this rock nails him in the forehead that the devil comes out in Jesus' name. They weren't weren't in faith. Well, why weren't they in faith? Because they were walking by sight, not by faith. They weren't walking by faith. They were walking by sight. Because if they were walking by faith, it wouldn't matter how bad the boy looked. It wouldn't matter what the circumstance looked like. Maybe they were in fear because there was a large crowd around them. Maybe for the first time, maybe this was one of their first encounters with a, with a major audience and Jesus wasn't the one that was there. They were there by themselves. He was on the mountain. So maybe they thought, well, what if it doesn't work? What if we pray and what if nothing happens? And now all of a sudden they didn't have absolute certainty and confidence that Jesus told us we could cast out all devil spirits. And when I speak to this devil, it's coming out with no if, and, and buts because Jesus said it. So therefore, that's what's going to happen. That they weren't in faith in that way. So you faithless, say you faithless. So then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Afterwards, the disciple asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. How point blank is that? Why am I lacking the things the Bible says? You don't have enough faith. Or what we'll get to probably tomorrow night is you don't use your faith that you do have. Because it's not enough to have faith. You have to use. You have to loose your faith. You can have all the faith in the world. You know, it's like... You could have, it's like God handing you a credit card with un, or let me say this, God gives you access to an account. He says, you know what, here's an account, and it's got unlimited money. It's got $100 billion in it. But if you don't know the pin to the ATM, it ain't going to do you any good. Praise God. So you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't know how to use your faith, it produces nothing for you. Amen. Amen. So they couldn't cast out the devil because of their lack of faith. He said, I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, may you move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So I want you to see this. Unbelief. He couldn't do miracles because of their unbelief. They couldn't cast out the devil because of what? Because of their unbelief. So unbelief produces what in our lives? Nothing. We'll receive nothing from the Lord. What you get will be determined by the level of your faith and how or if you use your faith. Now let's look at examples of faith. Mark 9, 23. Mark 9, 23 says this. 
actually going to read a verse up. Mark 9, verse 23, says, Also a demon-possessed child was brought to Jesus. He said, How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, Since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us to help us if you can. Look what Jesus said. What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can do it? If I can, Jesus asked and said, anything is possible if a person believes. Nothing, I am not limited, Jesus said, by anything. Nothing limits me. The possibilities are limitless. The possibilities are endless. The question is not if I can do it or if I'm able or if if I carry enough power. The question is, can you believe it? Anything, say anything. That means all things, everything is possible if you will have faith. You will receive according to your faith. If you have no faith, you'll receive nothing. If you have a little faith, you'll receive a little. But if you have great faith, hallelujah, you'll receive great promises from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. One of my favorite passages, you probably know, Mark 11, 22 through 24. Jesus said this, Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you could say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will, say it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Guess what? Because if you have doubt, then you're not in faith. You either are in unbelief or you're in faith. You can't be in both at the same time. Either you believe God or you don't. Because if you're like, well, I kind of believe, but I kind of don't believe, well, you're not in Bible faith. But really, maybe you say, well, I I don't know. I believe, but maybe you're in little faith. Right here, Jesus is talking about no doubt. Say no doubt. So what is no doubt? It's great faith. So what can you do if you can rise to great faith? You could move mountains if you have great faith. Hallelujah. Jesus wouldn't tell us that this was possible if it was impossible. It's not impossible. Hallelujah. Because everything is possible. Praise the Lord. That means that if I'll get unbelief out of my life and I'll begin to believe God and what he said, despite what I think, despite what I see or what I experience, I can move mountains by my faith. Praise God. I tell you the truth, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. I'm telling you, what I'm telling you tonight is the key to answer prayer 100 out of 100 times. Every confession that we've made in this church will come to pass because we aren't changing our confession. We believe what God has said, and it's settled and done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, so so I needed you guys to see that, that there are different levels of faith, and what you get will be determined by the level of faith that you're at. Now, number six, write this down. Each person begins with a measure of faith. This is something that may be news to you. I'm going to read you Romans 12, 3. 
So again, the point is this. Each person begins with the measure, the measure, say the measure of faith. Not a measure, the measure of faith. Romans 12, 3 in the King James says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I love the King James because it's actually the only translation I could find that uses the proper the measure of faith. Say the measure of faith. So here's the whole point. The Bible declares that every single Christian starts out with what is known as the measure of faith. The same thing. Did you know that Kenneth Hagin started at the same point that you started at? Did you know any great person that you would think of? Apostle Paul, Peter, Oral Roberts, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, Jack Coe, Catherine Kuhnman, Smith Wigglesworth, the Apostle of Faith, they all started at ground zero with the measure of faith which is given to every single person. God hath dwelt to each man the measure of faith. So that means that when you came into the kingdom, there is faith. You came in at the base level, which is what? Faith to be saved. The moment that you had enough faith to be saved and that you exercised your faith for salvation, what happened? You entered into the kingdom. They're putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to just give you an illustration of this. When you entered in, God took one cup of faith and he dealt it to you. Boop, popped it right on your head. There's a cup of faith. You get one cup, you get one cup, you get one cup, you get one one cup. So the Bible says that there's different levels of faith. So what does that mean? You don't have to stay at the measure that was given to you. You can increase your faith. You, if you say, well, right now, I think I'm reaping the results of small faith. Well, there's good news, my friend. You can increase your level of faith and then receive according to the level of faith that you increase to. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do you increase your faith? Faith comes. How does it come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Begin to dig in the word of God and meditate on it day and night. See what God said and then take hold of it and begin to believe it at all costs and your level of faith will begin to increase. And guess what will happen? The promises you receive from the Lord will begin to increase according to your faith. Praise God. Think, you guys think that God just picks and chooses special people to do things. No, 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 no. God's not a respecter of persons. In fact, one translation says that God has no favorites. Do you know that? God has no favorite children. Well, I really like James. He's just my favorite. James is just going to prosper more than everyone else because he's my favorite. No, it doesn't work that way. If James prospers, it's because he received according to his faith. Hallelujah. So write this down. So number you increase your faith by hearing and hearing. You increase your faith by revelation that comes from the word of God, by getting in the word and seeing the word. And once you see it, now you can have it. You can't have what you don't see. How can I, how can I have faith to be healed if I don't know that God heals 
How can I have faith to prosper if I've never gotten this word and saw that God will prosper me financially? You can't. You can't have what you don't see. Now write this down for number seven. This is another way that you can increase your faith, and this is going to be pulled from another principle. Increase your faith by putting into practice the faith that you currently have. One way that you can step into higher realms of faith is by putting into practice the faith that you currently have. And that point will drag into next week or tomorrow night's message because I'm going to teach you how to use your faith. But I want you to see this in James 2. Turn to the book of James chapter 2. I know I've been teaching for a while. I'm almost done, and I love you guys. I appreciate you listening. I'm so passionate about this because this is stuff I didn't grow up ever hearing anything about. James chapter 2. Look at verse 14. We'll read verse 14 first. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Say actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? No. Say no. Skip down to verse 17. You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces deeds. It's dead and useless. Let me just basically tell you what that means. That faith, if there's not action that follows what you claim as faith, then it's not faith. Hallelujah. If, if, if the storm's raging and the, and the waves are crashing into the boat and I'm not sleeping and I'm worrying, then I don't have faith because my action was not sleep. My action was worry. Hallelujah. And my action is truly the gauge of what I believe. So how do you know that you trust, though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand die around me? You take a nap when there's waves pouring into the boat. <laughs> Hallelujah. How do you really believe? How do you know you really believe the promises of God? Oh, you don't shut down your church in 2020. Praise God. All right, we're going to, okay, we'll keep it open, but we'll socially distance each chair six feet apart. We'll just put 15 chairs in here and everybody wear masks and then, no, not a chance. Man, we didn't even like, we didn't even care about that. We laughed at that virus. We really like, I mean, literally we did. We laughed at it. I told my wife, I was like, genuinely, like that was so easy. Like there wasn't one second that I ever feared COVID-19. I mean, even in 2020, we had family members freaking out about COVID-19 and I was just sitting back. And they were getting so mad at me. Oh, you're so arrogant. You're such an idiot. You're so hot-headed. Because I was just sitting back like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. There's just no, no. Like, this is so stupid. This is such a joke. And it really, your faith, your faith is gauged by what are you, are you sleeping or are you worrying? Are you sleeping or are you panicking? So the Bible says, in verse 17, it says, unless it produces deeds, it's dead and useless. Now, some may argue, 
Some people have faith, others have good deeds, or others have action. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Basically, it's what I just said. Your act, you show your faith by your action. So say, faith is action. So if my action does not come in agreement with what I claim I believe, then I don't really believe what I say I believe. You say you have faith, for you believe there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. You start talking to people door to door about faith. Oh, you believe? Are you a Christian? You have faith? Oh, yeah, I believe. I believe in God. Good for you. Even the demons believe in God. The demons don't have blind faith. They know Jesus Christ is the Lord. Good for you. The demons believe the same thing you do, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living a life of faith. Hallelujah. Operating in finances by faith. Operating in divine health by faith. Living each day by faith. Praise God. How foolish, verse 20. Can't you see that faith without deeds, good deeds, is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestors, Abraham, oh, I'm sorry. We're just going to start with, um, look at verse 22. You see, Abraham, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So here's my point. It's not just enough to read the word. Did you know that if you read the word, you can think it's true all day long, but your faith is not complete. The only faith that you have is the faith that you act on. What makes your faith, there's two ingredients to faith, the word and action. The word mixed with action equals faith. You can have the word all day long, but if you don't have action, your faith is incomplete. So, again, I say, not, not, I'm not asking how much word do you have. There's people that are so full of this word, they're like useless. Still. I mean, they're just, they're, all they have is head knowledge. But the level of faith that you can be so full of the word, and if you have no action, you're in unbelief. You could memorize the entire New Testament, and if there's no action, you're in, un, you're in complete unbelief still. But if you say, well, I have the whole New Testament memorized, but I have a little action, guess where you're at? Little faith. Because it's the word plus action that equals faith. But now if I have a lot of word and a lot of action, guess where I'm at? I'm at great faith, and I can move mountains. Hallelujah. So you see, we are shown, verse 24, to be made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Or this, he's saying this concept of faith because true faith is action. He's actually addressing this little Christianity, pew-sitting, spectator, sport Christianity. No, if there's not action, it's not faith. Praise the Lord. Okay. Oops. So the point was this, increase your faith by putting into practice what you have. I'm going to read you Matthew 25, 29. It says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Hallelujah. You want to start receiving more revelation from God. Well, once you, more revelation produces what? More faith. Because now you have more to act on. 
Put into practice the revelation that you've received right now. Hallelujah. Did you just get saved? You know what you need to do? You need to go around and put it into action and just say, well, I may not know how the healing works. I may not know how to cast out devils yet, but I know that I've been born again. So I'm going to go around and tell every single person I can. Guess what, guys? I'm saved. I'm a new creation. I've been born again. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You say, I don't know much, but that's all that I know. Well, guess what? You start using well what you've been given. Even more will be given unto you. Start using the revelation God's given you. Well, man, I just don't know if I could preach a a message on faith like John could preach a message on faith. But you you have a certain extent of revelation in your life. Well, I would sure like to be able to teach and preach more to my family and my friends. Well, you know what? How that works? Start using what you have right now. What do you know? Start telling people what you know. Start using the faith that you have, and more will be added unto you. God will open up this Bible, and you'll receive revelation from the Holy Ghost, and then you can partner action with that revelation and go to higher levels of faith. Hallelujah. Act on your faith. Start using your faith. Watch it increase and multiply. People sit back. Oh, sister so-and-so, she's over there getting people healed. I sure wish I had her life. I wish I heard her gift. I wish I had her anointing. How many sick people are you laying hands on? (laughs) Over here, I wish I had all of this, but what are you doing? There's no action behind the faith that you currently have. If you want to see people get healed, start laying hands on sick people. Well, did you see Brother John cast that devil out the other night? Man, I would like to cast out a devil. How many demon-possessed people are you, rebu- are you rebuking the spirit out of? Amen. Last point. So how do I get faith? I talked to you about faith comes by hearing. So there is a measure of faith that's given. There's faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but I'm going to end the sermon tonight by telling you there is actually as well a supernatural gift of faith. So there's something separate the Bible teaches. The gift of faith is not something that comes by reading the Bible. The gift of faith is not faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The gift of faith is a gift of manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Just like tongues, and I'm not talking about your prayer language. I'm talking about the gift of tongues, which is given to be interpreted. The gift of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the gift of miracles, the working of miracles, the gift of healing. All of those are gifts. There is a gift of faith. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to end with this. Y'all have been doing great tonight. 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 11, it says, There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same God. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, another translation would say. To the same spirit gives great faith. There's the gift of faith. Say the gift of faith. faith. To another and to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. 
He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern, the discerning of spirits, uh, discern if a spirit is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts. So how do you get the gift of faith? The Holy Ghost. So it's not my human effort that can give me this gift. The Holy Ghost gives us this gift. Okay? Look at this. He alone. Who decides? He. The Holy Ghost decides which gift each person should have. So again, there is a gift, a supernatural gift of faith that you can't, Receive just by hearing and hearing the word of God. This is the gift of faith. I'm going to tell you what the gift of faith is. It's the ability to believe God without human doubt or limitation. The gift of faith is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost where it rises up on the inside of you and it gives you a supernatural ability to believe God without human doubt or limitation. This is the Mark 11, 22, 24 type of faith. If you have the faith, actually some translations read, if not, if you have faith in God, if you have the faith of God. What is the gift of faith? It's God's faith. Did you know in the book of Hebrews 11, it says that God, by faith, spoke the universe into existence? God didn't just give us these rules to operate by. He operates by faith. God created everything that you see by faith. What is the gift of faith? It's God's faith operating through you. It's the same force. It's the same faith that said light be, and guess what? Light was, hallelujah. It's the same faith that Jesus operated in that said, Lazarus, come out of the grave. And guess what? Lazarus came walking out of that grave because what he said came to pass. It's God's faith, and it's a gift of the Holy Ghost. I've seen the gift of faith rise up in my life a few different times. It was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you two quick stories, and it's it's happened many more times, but I'm just going to tell you two stories for the sake of tonight. One time, this is just a lighthearted story. The first time I was ever invited to preach in Idaho, they had asked me, they said, you know, this is what we'll do. You cover all your expenses to come, and when you come, we'll just give you an honorarium. Does that work for you? Well, I, I said yes, but in all actuality, me and my wife, at that point in time, we didn't have the money that month to just up front $1,000 for plane tickets. But I said yes. I said yeah, and I just began to believe God. I said, Lord, I'll say yes. I don't, you know, I don't want to leave a bad impression on these people. No, go ahead and send me over the money. I didn't want to do that. I said, sure, I'll upfront everything. And I was in my living room, and I was just spending time with the Lord. And I'm telling you guys that something rose up out of my spirit. It wasn't me. It wasn't me trying to go through the religious motions. Out of my spirit, I was sitting in my chair in my living room. And I mean, I got to going. I got up and I ran out of the house and it was like this. It just came up out of my spirit. And out of my spirit, I spoke and I said, I command those plane tickets to come in right now in Jesus' name. And it was done. I didn't have to pray not one more word about it. I didn't have to repeat myself and pray in tongues, didn't have to do any of that. I felt that anointing immediately lift after I released those words, and I went on about my day, about my business. 
Well, about an hour or so later, it was Wednesday night, I came up to the church, and I got a text message saying, hey, check your email. And I checked my email, and it was two round-trip tickets from Texas to Idaho and back, paid for. And the person said, I was in prayer, and the Lord told me to purchase these tickets. Guys, that was the type of faith. Brother Tanner, I guarantee you operated in the gift of faith. You've seen that. You just got a trailer given to you. You just had, I mean, that's God's faith, that there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You decree it, you say it, it's done, it's settled, it comes to pass 100 out of 100 times. The other time was when my daughter, Oakland, was born. We told you about the, the faith that we operated in, the whole pregnancy, which came from the Word. We weren't operating in the gift of faith. We were operating in the Word and action behind it. They diagnosed my wife with all of these things. Long story short, the day that she was born, Oakland came out of, of, of my wife's womb, and she was completely unresponsive. She was white as a ghost. She was just limp. She wasn't breathing. They cut the cord. They took the baby out, and they moved her to a table. They got on the walkie-talkie, started saying, we need help. Somebody get in here. They were trying to keep Carissa calm, but something was not right. She was just not responding at all. Well, out of my spirit, I began to pray, and I slapped my hands, and I just said it was out of my spirit. I said it with authority. It was the gift of faith. It didn't come out of here. It didn't come out of, what do I need to do right now in this situation? Okay, yeah, the Christian thing to do is to pray. Out of my spirit, it was like a lion rose out, and I commanded, you live right now in Jesus' name. And I watched blood begin. Her, her, her heels turned red, her ankles turned red, up her legs turned red, up her torso began to fill with color, and when it hit the top of her head, she began to cry and breathe. I watched God do it. That's the gift of faith. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown says the gift of faith could be described like this. It's like God taking you, and he grabs your head, and he begins to twist your head, and he pops it off. And he takes everything that's in you, and he flips you upside down, and he dumps everything that's in you, your doubts, your unbelief, your thoughts, your way of growing up, your experiences, he dumps it all out. And he puts you back up, right side up. And then he takes this, this big old container that's like, Tannerite, man. That's like, what's the stuff that they use that's like jelly uh, that, that's flammable, that blows up? Military jelly. Napalm. It's like napalm. Faith napalm. God's faith. It's this radioactive, potent, powerful, and you're this empty vessel that's been dumped out, and he dumps it in you, and he takes your head, and he screws it back on, and you just begin going. Hallelujah. And you begin to operate, not in human limitation. You begin to believe God without human limitation at all whatsoever. That is the gift of faith. Well, let me ask you this question. Where do you receive it from? The Holy Ghost. And he gives it as he desires. Now, let me just say this last thing tonight. Did you know that you can, you can acquire spiritual gifts that you don't have? So you say, well, that's great. The Holy Ghost gives the gift, and I can't, you know, I can't just choose to operate in all of the gifts all the time. The Holy Ghost distributes the gifts according to, you know, God, how in his wisdom, how he sees according to operation, according to our call, according to our purpose, according to the need that's at hand. And I've told you many times, I believe every believer can operate in all nine gifts of the spirit. 
If you totally yield to the Holy Ghost, you should operate in all nine gifts throughout your life. Because you will need all nine gifts, especially when you're the only one that's got the anointing in a dark and broken world, and there needs the gift of healing. Well, guess what? I may not be a healing evangelist, but that gift will flow through me to touch the people that God loves. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So say covet. The Bible says to covet after the best gifts. What does that word covet mean? It means to eager, it means eager rivalry. That's an interesting definition. Strong passion for a thing. So any gift that you don't have, the Bible says that you can covet that gift, but not in a sinful way. It means to rival. It means to contend for that gift. Hallelujah. You contend for the gift. If you want the gift of faith in operation in your life, God-like faith, you can contend for it. That means you don't be passive about it. You don't just pray little passive prayers. No, you contend eagerly like a rivalry for that gift. It means to pursue passionately. Hallelujah. Pursue after the Lord for that gift. And, and the Holy Ghost could give it to you, but here's my point. If you read it in context, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as what? The love chapter. So he says, covet earnestly the best gifts, but yet show I unto you a more excellent way, love. So if you want to pursue the gifts, you must pursue them in love. What do I mean by love? Your desire for the gift of faith needs to be driven by a love for a, a lost and broken world. Well, I sure would like a jet, so I'm going to get the gift of faith. No, your heart has to move for what God's heart moves for. Lord, I need the, I need the working of miracles. Why? So I can get famous? No. Nope. So my name can be in lights? No. Nope. So I can do Facebook videos and watch thousands of people glorify me and treat me like a celebrity? Absolutely not. No, because I see broken people. I see sick people. I see people that are bound and held captive by the devil. And my heart moves for them like your heart moves for them. So Lord, I need the gift of healing. I need the operation of miracles. I need the gift of faith in my generation because if not me, then who, Lord? When your heart lines up in love, you can covet after gifts and the Holy Ghost will give them to you. Praise God. You understand a little bit more tonight on how to get faith? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just lift your hand. Stand to your feet, Brother Tanner. Come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Tanner, close us out in prayer. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 We receive this message in faith. We don't. We don't question it. We don't doubt it. We stand on it. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for the gift of faith. I pray that you would impart a greater measure of faith in every single person in this room tonight. Lord, they heard plenty of the word of God to build their faith. So I pray in Jesus' name that they would take this word and that now that they have revelation, they're responsible for stewarding it. In Jesus' name, I pray that they would have the ability and the vision 
and the discipline to steward the revelation that they've been given tonight and that they would change a generation with it. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said aloud, amen.